Today's episode is called Spirituality 101, A Crash Course in Unmasking the Mystic Within. Now on my podcast, I've got almost 100 episodes all about the different aspects of the spiritual awakening journey. In those episodes, I get into some really nitty-gritty, nuanced topics about some of the subtleties of the spiritual awakening process. Now, the other day, a listener gave me a really great idea. They said, hey, Brent, why don't you create some content about the basics of spirituality? So that's what today's episode is going to address. Now, of course, spirituality, it's a huge topic. It can be approached in an infinite number of ways. And right off the bat, I want to admit that, you know, some things today, they're going to be glossed over. They may not even be mentioned at all. But overall, I've done my best to create something that returns back to the foundations of what this journey is really all about. Now, for me, putting this all together, Spirituality 101, this crash course, it's been a good reminder to myself to not get caught up in the complicated things, to return back to the basic principles, back to the foundations, which, of course, is really all that we need on this path. So I hope today that this serves as a reminder for you as well to return back to basics. If you happen to be a person that's, you know, traveled the journey for a while, maybe you've had some great experiences, maybe you've obtained some great spiritual realizations, awakenings, enlightenment. And so this is my invitation to return back to the basics. And maybe you're new to the journey. Maybe this is the first piece of content you've ever explored on the spiritual journey. So I want to welcome you as well. And I'm hoping today that I can sort of address these things in a way that's clear in the way that's free from any particular system, tradition, religion, uh, dogma, rules, none of that here today. I want to just give you a brief overview of what this journey is really all about, talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls, talk a little bit about myself, explain some of the things that may not be so obvious in a way that's easily digestible, to give you something that you can go forth with on your journey and explore knowing a little bit about the basics. So that's the idea here. It's a crash course. So you'll get a lot, you'll get a basic intro. But of course, if you're looking for more detail, more insight into some of these topics, you can visit the rest of my content. You can find that at brentspirit.com. As well on my YouTube channel, I've got some episodes relating to the spiritual awakening journey, more specifically about the Kundalini awakening process. But moving forward, I'm going to start to put out some more content about spiritual awakening in general. So now that we've got the intro out of the way, let's dive right into this. These are some of the major themes that came to me when I sat down to say, you know, what would Spirituality 101 look like for me based on the things that were important to me on my journey, based on the things that I see many people struggling with that uh, approach me as a spiritual teacher, as well as just some of the themes that I felt were relevant to me today. If I would have done this course last week, it would have been very different. If I were to do it next week, it'd probably be very different as well. So this is just a reflection of, you know, what's arising in the present moment for me when I ask myself about what a Spirituality 101 course would look like. So let's go through this quickly here. Uh, right off the bat, we're going to address what is spirituality, of course going to talk about what is the difference between religion and spirituality. We're going to talk about mysticism. What is mysticism? It's a very important thing, I think, uh, that we understand what this really is and understand our potential to be mystics, which is why I've called this, this course a crash course in unmasking the mystic within. And when I say the mystic within, I mean within you. 
wherever you are on the journey, whoever you are, there's a mystic within you. We're going to unmask that mystic. Uh, we're next, we're going to look at open-minded skepticism, one of the very important principles, skills, attitudes to have on this journey. Open-minded and yet skeptical. As well, I think this is probably the most important tool that we can have to keep ourselves safe, as well as to move through this journey efficiently, which is discernment. We're going to talk all about what discernment is. And following the discernment uh, section, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself. So you can use your discernment when looking at me, when uh, considering whether you should even listen to what I have to say and why. Uh, next, we'll talk about what is spiritual awakening. We'll talk about the benefits of spiritual awakening. Next, we'll talk about how to explore spirituality and become a mystic. I'm going to share some practices with you. I'm going to break down some of the, the practices that uh, you may have seen, you know, different people practicing, some practices that can be a little confusing, that can look contradictory. I'm going to break that down a little bit for you. Next, we'll talk about some major themes that might come up as you explore the spiritual journey, and you might wonder about them a little bit. So we're going to talk about Kundalini Awakening, probably my favorite topic of all time. Uh, next, we'll talk about the law of attraction and manifestation, you know, creating your reality, manifesting abundance, health, wealth, relationships, all that kind of fun stuff. We'll go over a little bit about psychedelics, plant medicine, what's the deal with all of that. Next, we'll talk about uh, spiritual teachers, gurus, we'll talk about cults, we'll talk a little bit about abuse, how to navigate these situations, how to avoid them, and explain a little bit about why, why this happens to people, unfortunately, just so that you can be aware and so that you don't find yourself in these, you know, toxic, challenging, uh, horrible situations. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about spiritual bypassing. What is spiritual bypassing? How can you be mindful that you don't engage in it in order to, you know, not cheat yourself, not cheat yourself of all the things that you deserve, right? And finally, I'll have a little bit of a summary for you. So let's keep going here. So what is spirituality? The word spirit, you know, it's a pretty loaded word. Many people may have all different kinds of definitions. I can define it a million ways myself as well. I'm sure you can too. But, you know, when I did a bit of research here, I found that spirit comes from the Latin word meaning breathe, right? Uh, spirare, if I'm saying it right, I don't speak Latin. Spirare, right? Breathe. So at the root of all of this is the breath, okay? We're not talking about a spirit, meaning like, you know, a non-physical being. We're not talking about anything super uh, esoteric, nothing occult, nothing even religious. We're just talking about the breath, right? Just the breath, right? So spirituality is the cultivation of your connection to something that contains you, but is at the same time greater than you, okay? So I put an emphasis on your connection. Spirituality is about you. You, the person that's listening to this. It's not about another person. It's about you, your experience, your journey, okay? Your connection, your breath, your practice, okay? So your connection to something that contains you but is at the same time greater than you. And we can call this God, we can call it divinity, we can call it the universe, we can call it the self with a capital S. Sometimes you'll see that. We can call it Brahman, which is a Sanskrit term, comes from yoga. We can call it enlightenment, like in Buddhism. Self-realization, another term out of yoga. We can call it awakening, which is a, a modern term used in English, awakening. We can call it mysticism. We can call it you know, God, divinity, all those kinds of words. So throughout this series, I might use these words interchangeably. What I'm referring to is something that contains you, but is yet greater than you. It contains me, and yet it is at the same time greater than me. And we can have a, we can have a connection with that, a union with that through spirituality. 
And so the breath is our avenue to this connection, to this relationship with God, with divinity, to enlightenment. And it's interesting because the breath is simultaneously both within us as well as outside of us. It is a paradoxical experience, and that is why it brings us back to that root spirit to breathe. The root of spirituality is the breath, okay? So spirituality doesn't necessarily have to be this really weird esoteric thing. Like I said, when it all boils down to just the most basic thing here, if you breathe, you're spiritual. So sometimes we may feel like, you know, you, somebody tells us we're, they're spiritual and we may think, oh, you know, they do all this weird practices. They've got all these, you go to their house and they've got crystals and all this weird stuff. They do, you know, tarot card reading and they maybe have a crystal ball and all this weird stuff. And, you know, that might interest us. We might not think it's weird. We might think it's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. sure. But, uh, you know, some people, you may tell them that you're spiritual and they may think that about you. But really, you can tell them. Spirituality, it comes from the root word Latin, spirare. It just means to breathe. That's all it really boils down to. If you trim all the fat, get rid of all the excess, literally everything, all the excess, all we have is the breath. That's all you'd really need. Of course, today we're going to talk a little bit about the different practices and things beyond just the breath, but that's what it really all boils down to, the breath. Of course, you may feel... Religion, spirituality, they've got a lot in common. Sometimes they are used interchangeably. But really, what it, the major difference is to me is that religion is about another person's experience. Spirituality, like I said, is about your experience. I really want to emphasize this. It's your experience. You come first. It's about your power, your journey, your connection with God. Not another person's, but your connection. Okay? When we explore spirituality, we're not just observing other people's and their journey. We're not just worshiping other people or learning about other people. We're learning about ourselves and the potential that we have. Okay. So religions, they have formed around individuals that have attained advanced degrees of connection with something greater than themselves, like God or enlightenment. For example, Jesus Christ, Christianity has formed around this figure, Jesus, who attained union with something greater than himself that contained him, God the Father, right? Buddhism is formed around Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. He attained enlightenment. He recognized his connection to something greater than himself that contained him as well, okay? And then these religions formed around these people. We have Christianity, we've got Buddhism, and for the most part, in the mainstream, the mass, vast majority of people that practice these religions aren't necessarily focused on their own direct experience of what Jesus had experienced or what the Buddha had experienced. Instead, they're focused more so around worshiping those people or giving a lot of reverence to them, putting themselves second. But like I said, you come first in spirituality, okay? It's all about your personal experience. And because it's your personal direct experience, no belief is required. If you experience something directly yourself, you don't need to believe anything about what you experienced. You've experienced. You don't have to believe that you're listening to me right now. You know that it's happening. You're experiencing it. So there's no belief necessary. The same goes with spirituality, okay? Religion may require your belief. Spirituality does not. So there are no genuine, if you ask me, of course, this is all my opinion, but if you just ask me, there are no genuine spiritual beliefs. 
that's a nonsensical phrase, spiritual beliefs. You don't need to, ex spirituality is about direct experience and we don't need to believe anything that we experience directly. We just have the experience. We just know there's no belief necessary. Okay. So moving forward, a little bit more of a specific term here, mysticism. So mysticism is the cultivation of the direct experience of divinity. A mystic is one who has direct personal experience with the divine. So spirituality is a term that is very broad, covers many different subjects, but mysticism more aptly captures the essence of the journey, which is to experience the divine yourself. Once again, I really want to emphasize yourself, you, okay? Now, at the heart of all religions, if you look deep enough, there exists a mystical tradition which focuses on direct experience, not on worship, not on dogma, not on belief, not on a system of rules, but on direct experience, okay? So in Islam, there is Sufism, which is the tradition of the great poet Rumi. Sufis, they are the whirling dervishes. Maybe you've seen these devotees, these spiritual practitioners that just spin on the spot. They whirl. And we'll talk a little bit more about why this is, but that's Sufism. It's a direct experience. In Judaism, there is Kabbalah, which is the mystical tradition at the center of Judaism, in which practitioners are invited to have a direct experience of God, of divinity, within their own body, within their own system. Okay. In Christianity, there are the Christian mystics who are also known to have attained what Christ attained himself. Mysticism, union with God the Father, themselves within their own body, in this life, in the body, staying as a human being, yet also attaining this union with God the Father. Now, if you come from a background of just mainstream religion, you may not know this. You may think that, you know, there's no way that a person could have attained what Jesus Christ attained. But it is true. There are Christian mystics. You can look. They're very well documented. And if you look even deeper, I mean, this was Jesus' invitation, right? He invited everybody to also experience the kingdom of heaven within themselves. He didn't say, look, everybody, I'm going to attain it for myself and you can worship me. He said, it's all within you too, right? And so this is what mysticism is about. This is what spirituality is about. It's about taking those invitations that all of these other mystics, all of these other people who have attained it, like Jesus, like the Buddha, taking their invitation and experiencing it for ourselves. Of course, within yoga, within Buddhism, there are also many mystics as well that have attained enlightenment, self-realization themselves. In the same vein, all spiritual teachings are covers of the same song. So I was just speaking about all these different religions, all these different spiritual traditions. And yes, indeed, they are all covers of the same song. So have you ever heard a song that you thought was originally written by the artist that was performing it? And then later on, maybe, a, you know, sometime later, a month later, whatever, you realize that there's actually an older version of this song and that the version that you heard initially was actually a cover. And it's a bit surprising. You know, you think, oh, I didn't know that was a cover. That's the same as all of these spiritual teachings about mysticism, about union with the divine. They're all covers of the same song. Now, if you know the original song, 
you can stay with my metaphor here, if you know the original song, then you're able to recognize that these are all covers. But if you don't know the original song, then you'll think that these different teachings are all unique and special and very different and that they have different aims and they will take you to different places. So for example, like I mentioned in Sufism, they whirl, they dance around and around in one spot. In Zen, they sit perfectly still. Now these practices, they lead to the same place, right? And the mystic knows this. The spiritual seeker aims to find out, but the mystic knows this. The mystic can look at a whirling dervish and can look at a Zen monk and see that they're both engaging in the same practice at the deeper level. And both will attain the same thing, right? So with spirituality, you can explore all of these different traditions without fear of you know not being loyal to just one. You can explore Sufism. You can explore Zen. You can explore yoga. Christianity, as long as you're not making it into a religion, as long as you're focused on your own experience. Okay, so this journey is yours. You can travel how and wherever you like. And you got to remember, the reason that you can do that is because there are many ways up the mountain. Okay, a mountain has one peak, but many different ways to get there. And these are what all of these different practices, traditions, approaches are about. So like I mentioned, with spirituality, with mysticism, no belief is required. Now, belief means that you do not know something. That is why you have to believe it because you don't know it. If you knew something, you wouldn't have to believe it. Like I said, you don't need to believe you're listening to me. You know you're listening to me. There's no belief necessary. So I invite you on this journey, spiritual journey. Instead of believing, remain open-minded and skeptical. Okay? Seek to find out for yourself like a scientist open-minded, not closed off, not closed off to possibilities, not closed off to your potential. You know, if you hear an invitation, like I said, maybe it's the Buddha says, you know, we all have the potential to attain enlightenment. Or Jesus says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within us all. This is an invitation. Remain open-minded. Maybe what they're saying has some truth to it, has some validity to it. Explore it with skepticism, right? No believe, don't believe. Don't believe that you can attain enlightenment. Find out for yourself. Be skeptical about it, but open-minded, not completely closed off, okay? The mystic does not believe in God. The mystic knows God through their own direct experience. No belief is required. So if you meet a mystic, they don't believe in God. I know God, right? That's what they're going to say to you. I know God. I don't have to believe. Belief means I don't know, and that's why we believe open-minded skepticism. Maybe you can look at it as agnosticism. Okay? So, perhaps, perhaps there is no potential to unite with the divine. Perhaps the Buddha said, you know, we all have the potential for enlightenment, but maybe that's not true. Maybe Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within, but maybe that's not true. Maybe, perhaps, right? Perhaps. But find out for yourself before dismissing these things. Find out for yourself right? Because if there is the potential for you to attain enlightenment in this life, if there is the potential for you to attain what Jesus attained in this life, well, the reward is unfathomable, right? So it's definitely worth exploring, you know, dedicating a little bit of, of your life, of your short life to exploring these things with open-minded skepticism. 
I think it's definitely worth it. So the other attitude to take on this journey is to have an attitude of discernment. So discernment is the ability to judge well. It's a skill that we must develop and continuously sharpen and continuously use. We can't get complacent when it comes to discernment. It's very, very important, very necessary. On this journey, you can seek support. You can seek guidance from, from anyone. You know, there's people offering insights, you know, everywhere you look to do with spirituality, to do with things like God, things like, uh, you know, yoga, meditation, all these kinds of things. Guidance is everywhere. Some people are, you know, they've got books, they've got talks, they've got retreats, they've got centers, they've got all this kind of stuff. And, you know, everywhere you look, there is guidance. But it's important that we use our discernment to figure out who out of all of these many different people is able to offer meaningful support and who isn't, okay? When it all comes down to, you know, the very basics, put simply, only those that have had direct experience can offer the most useful insight, okay? So be mindful of this. Be mindful of people and organizations that want to take your power rather than genuinely support you on your spiritual journey. And always return back to yourself. Find and keep your power within and choose your teachers. Choose the people that you spend time with, spend energy with, maybe even spend money. Choose them all mindfully using your discernment. Just because somebody says this or that doesn't mean that you should just, you know, follow them blindly. Okay. Just because somebody's, you know, practices yoga or meditation doesn't mean that they are able to support you on the deepest, most meaningful way. Right. So it's important that we use our discernment and really seek out the people that resonate with us, that feel good to us, that also have what we're seeking. This is very important. It seems so obvious, but Many, many people follow people blindly just, you know, because maybe they're the first person they came across that had something to do with spirituality. And, you know, they just said, okay, this is my person. And they just followed them. And either they waste time, waste energy, spin their wheels, or sometimes they get abused. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But this is why it's very important to use discernment to avoid these situations, right? On one hand, uh, the mild, you know, inconvenience is that we waste time and energy. On the other hand, you know, we can ruin people's lives if discernment isn't applied. We can ruin our own life if we don't apply discernment because we follow somebody who may be, you know, a narcissist or an abuser. They may, you know, take advantage of us, you know, ruin our whole life, harm us emotionally, psychologically, take our money. So we don't want to end up in these situations. We want to really recognize that our power is within us, we keep it within, yeah, we can turn to other people and ask for guidance, support, listen to others, you know, like you're listening to me, whatever, read books, but we don't want to give everything away to somebody else. It's not necessary because like I said, spirituality is about your experience. You have the potential to have a direct experience of the connection with God, right? It's about you. So we don't want to give our power away. So we want to use our discernment and be mindful of who we spend our time with. So since I've mentioned the importance of discernment and choosing your teachers carefully, I think it's useful for me to share a little bit about myself. So you can use what I'm sharing here 
to see that to see if I resonate with you. You know, to see if, you know, my background, my teaching, my energy, the way I'm speaking, the way I'm sharing it, see if that resonates with you, right? So you can tune into your own intuition and you can ask yourself if what I have to offer is something that, you know, you should entertain. And if not, no problem. I won't be offended at all if you, you know, turn off this episode and, you know, never check out any of my work ever again. That's fine. I've done it. I've done the same for, for other teachers myself, you know, not because I found there was something wrong with them. They just didn't resonate with me. But this is what discernment is. You got to ask yourself, do they have what I need at this time? Right. And so this exercise is how I suggest that you approach all teachers, books, guides, and so on. Okay. Any, any spiritual guidance, you just sharpen your sort of discernment and use it to navigate efficiently and safely. Okay. Always tune in and ask, you know, what does my intuition say about this? You can ask questions like, does this person have the direct experience about things that I'm hoping to experience myself? You know, and if they do, great. Ask some more questions. See how you feel about them. If they don't, that's fine too. You just say, okay, I'm just going to move on, right? And like I said, it seems obvious, but so many people overlook this and they find themselves spending time with just the wrong people. So with all that said, here's a little bit about me. So since childhood, I've been having spiritual experiences. Excuse me. The earliest ones were not very flashy or exciting. Instead, they were simply a feeling of being connected to something greater than my own body and mind. And at times I felt a great spaciousness within me. And this was peaceful and it was limitless. And this was when I was a child. So at the time I couldn't put words to this. This was just, you know, what I thought life was about. You know, I would lay in my bed before going to sleep. And I would relax and I would just recognize that I was this vast spaciousness. And I didn't have a feeling that I was a little person in the big world. I felt as if I was the big world. And I thought this was what everybody felt. I thought this was normal. It was natural. It was very free, freeing and peaceful and safe. It felt very safe. But as I grew older, you know, I started to experience difficult things in my life. Not very difficult things, just, you know, average difficult things, I think. But that was enough to close me off from this great connection that I had with the world, with, with life, with God, with divinity, with this peaceful spaciousness. And as I grew older, I forgot about this connection. And I began to believe myself to be, you know, just a human with a mind and a body that was separated from the world. So all of this, you know, began to solidify this sense of separation. And it led, it led to suffering because, of course, I was living in a way that wasn't in alignment with who I really was. I was pretending that I was a separate being, separate from God, separate from the world, separate from other people, right? And so I lost this spacious peacefulness and I began to suffer as a result. And eventually the suffering was, was so great that I sought spirituality as a way to feel connected again. I began practicing things like mindfulness and meditation, you know, without stopping. It became the sole focus of my life, number one priority. Because I recognized, like I said earlier, you know, there was a great invitation that I could attain enlightenment, that I could awaken, that I could experience God, divinity, and find peace. I saw the invitation and I said, okay, let's entertain this invitation. And so that's why I, you know, began practicing spiritual practices very, very rigorously. And between the ages of 15 until 29, uh, that's how old I am today, 
I've had many different spiritual awakenings. And during those awakening experiences, some of them were fleeting, some of them have persisted. I felt a deeper and deeper connection to something greater than myself. You know, I would call it God, I would call it the universe, source, Brahman, whatever. Uh, about eight years ago, uh, my Kundalini fully awakened. And my entire system, from head to toe, was transformed on every level. So eventually I began to experience divinity directly, both inside this body as well as outside. And now, as a result of this transformation, I've been called to point the way for others to serve as a spiritual teacher. So I'll be speaking a little bit more about Kundalini Awakening later on in this episode. We'll also talk a little bit more about spiritual awakening, what that really is. But for all intents and purposes, for your sake, as you engage in discernment, I am a mystic, and my purpose is to support others in unmasking their own inner mystic too. Okay, So I am a mystic, and that is why I'm able to support others in unmasking their own inner mystic. Right? It's not like I haven't attained something and I'm supporting other people for how they can attain it too. I have. I have recognized what, what I'm inviting you to also recognize within yourself as well. And so that's why I feel confident enough to do this work, right? And I invite you to consider that when using your discernment. But of course, like I said, if you know what I'm sharing here doesn't resonate with you, no problem at all. But it's important that we actually ask ourselves, you know, are people that we're listening to who are telling us about yoga, telling us about spirituality and meditation, are they actually mystics themselves? They may not call themselves a mystic, but are they actually awakened? Are they actually, you know, an evolved, spiritually uh, mature person, right? You can call it that way as well. Spiritually mature, are they, right? If they're not, no problem, we can move on. But I really want to emphasize this because it's often the people that don't have direct experience that are misleading other people and taking advantage of them. And I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to keep your power, Right? I don't want you to give your power away. I want you to keep it. And once again, remember that spirituality is about your direct experience. Mysticism is about your direct experience. You have the potential to be a mystic yourself. There is an inner mystic within you. And that's why I've called this crash course Unmasking the Inner Mystic. Okay? So, when I talk about unmasking the inner mystic, it's not that I became a mystic through this spirituality and this spiritual journey. I unmasked the inner mystic that I always was, right? It wasn't something that I became, that I transformed into. It was something that I rediscovered about myself. It's the same thing that I knew about myself. It's the same thing about what I felt as a kid. So we are all mystics, okay? We are all mystics. You're a mystic as well. Some of us have just forgotten that. And the spiritual journey is about remembering that, rediscovering that. It's not about adding something new. It's not about an upgrade per se. It's about remembering who and what we already are and then living and embodying that and allowing that to inform the way that we move through the world, that we relate with ourselves, that we relate with others, okay? So that's a little bit about myself. I hope that you can use your discernment and use that exercise today as practice moving forward. Like I said, anytime you come across any teacher, book, guide, episode on YouTube, podcast, whatever, person, you can ask these questions and see, you know, is this somebody I should spend my time with? Is this somebody I should give my energy to, pay my, my attention to? Okay. 
So what is spiritual awakening? Spiritual awakening is a verb. I don't want to talk to you like you're a child, but it ends in ing, awakening, ing. It's a verb, right? It's ongoing, right? It's not a final state. It's a movement. It's a verb, right? It's like walking. It's an ongoing movement. Sometimes we think spiritual awakening is like a flash. Like once it's done, it's done. No, verbs are ongoing. Verbs are ongoing. It's like a river constantly flowing, okay? Spiritual awakening is a verb. And it's a shift in the way that we perceive ourselves in the world and the relationship between those two seemingly separate things. So we realize through spiritual awakening that they are in fact not separate. They're actually one, right? Ourselves and the world. They're actually one. So we call it awakening because we refer to the prior states as being asleep in the illusion of separation, which is not true in reality, okay? So mystics come to rediscover this through direct experience that all is one, that all is in a state of union. So instead of calling it spiritual awakening, we could also call it spiritual evolution, okay? Biologically speaking, we have peaked, right? We don't evolve biologically very much anymore. Um, that can be argued, that can be argued, but we're unlike other animals that are biologically evolving. Our evolution is of a different nature. We have a different, more higher potential than just biological. And so the next frontier in our evolutionary trajectory is spiritual, okay? Now, I understand that some of the things I'm sharing here can be a little paradoxical, a little bit contradictory. This is something you'll have to get used to on the spiritual journey. Like I said, there is the peak of the mountain. There are many ways up the mountain. In the same way, there are paradoxes. So in the prior, in the prior slide, I was speaking about myself and I was saying, you know, I rediscovered the mystic that I always was. You know, I didn't become a mystic. I recognized that I was always a mystic. And now in this slide, I'm saying that, you know, spiritual awakening is also spiritual evolution. It's something that we transform into. So these are two seemingly contradictory ideas that you will have to see if you can find the nuance. See if you can hold those two contradictory ideas together simultaneously, because that's where the, the secret unspoken essence of this all really lies. Yes, we are returning back to our natural state, and yet simultaneously we are also evolving beyond the current state that we are in. I like to look at it like this. Even though I knew that I was connected to all that is as a child, even though I had access to that spaciousness, had access to divinity as a child, I did not have the maturity, the intelligence. I did not have the words. I did not have the skills or the purpose as an adult does. But now, after going through, going through this spiritual awakening journey as an adult, now I have what I had as a child, which was that access to the spaciousness, to God, the freedom, the peacefulness, the bliss, the well-being. I have access to that, but I also have access to the faculties that I have as an adult. Intelligence, the ability to speak, purpose, um, the ability to self-reflect, maturity, psychological maturity, emotional maturity, I have access to all of these things. And so we combine being a child and being an adult. And that is 
what looks like as the, what that's it that's what we would say is evolution but really it's it's more of a rediscovery of what we always had and then integrating it into our lives as an adult now that's the best way that i can describe it at this moment but i hope that you can entertain these two ideas simultaneously yes we are not necessarily becoming something new and yet at the same time we are in fact evolving so something for you to chew on a little bit So the benefits of spiritual awakening, if they ha if they aren't already obvious, you know, you may be wondering, well, what's the point? Why, why, why awaken? What's the big deal? Well, through awakening, we realize the truth about who we really are. That alone is meaningful. It's just the truth, right? It's who you are on the most fundamental level. Who are you and what is true about you? Okay. doesn't matter what it is. It could be the most horrible thing, but it's true. And so that alone could be a very strong motivating factor for why we might want to spiritually awaken just to find out who we really are who what's the truth about the essence of our being fortunately once we do recognize the truth of who we are it's not a horrible thing it's an incredible thing it's it's, it's fantastic to put it mildly it's it's you know really great um but that's one major reason just to find the truth about who we really are right as well spirituality will also through spiritual awakening, bring about the end of this seeking. So often we have a strong urge, a natural impulse to seek something outside of ourselves, fulfillment, whether it's through a relationship, through career, money, through some sort of accomplishment or validation. Maybe it's some sort of, um, you know, physical transformation. You know, we, we gain weight, we lose weight, we get the perfect body, whatever it is. We're seeking fulfillment in the future. Some seek fulfillment through God, right? They're looking for God. Where is God? I want to find God. I want enlightenment. I want self-realization, right? I want peace. They want oneness, right? They're seeking this merger of something greater than themselves, merging with that, right? And so once awakening occurs, this effortful seeking, this feeling of being incomplete, this feeling of being unfulfilled, this feeling of being not at peace, it just falls away. And there's a great peace that comes. All of the seeking is finished. It's over. We feel complete. We feel whole. We feel at peace. Okay. That doesn't mean that once we attain spiritual awakening, you know, we don't uh, have any more drive to accomplish anything in our life. No. Sometimes the drive can come and go. It comes back in a new way. Um, but the insatiable hunger is no longer there. Once spiritual awakening occurs and we realize who we are, we do set goals. We do move towards the future, but we enjoy the journey fully. We're not focused on actually getting to the goal. The journey is what really matters because we recognize I'm fulfilled in the moment so I can enjoy each step of the journey as opposed to hoping to just get to the future in the way that, you know, we do prior to spiritual awakening. So through spiritual awakening, we feel a higher sense of purpose as well as we see that we're connected to everything. Right? So we feel a sense of how our lives and our actions have a ripple effect on everything, which is also a part of who we really are. So we feel this purpose, you know, I'm here to do the best for myself, which of course is not separate from the rest of the world. So the more good that I do out in the world, the more uh, kind that I am, it, it has a ripple effect, it has a ripple effect on, on everything that is, which is of course not separate from me, not separate from you. Okay. As well, we realize, you know, we're not merely animals. We're not merely biological creatures. We are something a little bit more transcendent. We're connected to all that is. And 
this contemplation of you know who we really are as divine as spiritual beings that alone just inspires a great awe a great devotion a great wonder it's an emotional experience that you know cannot really be described but it is a great great benefit to spiritual awakening it's just this great awe and wonder that comes so now how do we you know explore spirituality how do we awaken how do we evolve how do we become a mystic right like i said we are all already mystics we must simply unmask the mystic within by removing the things that cloud who we really are that interfere with our connection with the divine so this means that we must heal the parts of us that are wounded traumatized stuck in fight or flight and afraid due to previous experiences which caused us to feel a sense of separateness in the past separation believing that we were separate served as a defense mechanism ex against perceived threats maybe by other people maybe other situations so as children we don't have a sense of separation we just feel oneness everything is connected and then maybe something threatens us another person a situation and so we develop a boundary right a boundary that says i'm here the threat is out there and this boundary is like a a shield a wall that gets put up to protect us from the world but not only does it protect us from those threats it also cuts us off from the world and then we you know feel separate so we walk around with this defense mechanism this belief that we are separate and it informs the rest of our lives even when the rest of our lives for the most part we're rather safe right we're rather safe for the most part not everybody at all times but for the most part we have our defenses up even when there's no need anymore right so today we have to consider just consider dropping these defenses and being vulnerable and being open and knowing that we are safe finding the safety that is really already here okay so the spiritual journey involves healing and dropping our defenses at our own pace so there's no rush okay so if you don't feel that you're safe and you feel that feeling separate having an ego to protect yourself maybe you feel like being in fight or flight is the best thing for you to do at this moment that's fine there's no rush it's only an invitation to recognize your safety and to drop these defenses at your own pace okay to, to be give yourself the permission to relax once again in the way that you relaxed when you were a baby when you didn't perceive any threats right so our greatest defense is our ego and that's of course it's the false sense of separate self the ego is the sense of i or me i am here in this body this mind and the world is out there that's the ego right it's a mask it's a tool it's a piece of armor but beneath it is the faceless face of the mystic within and the ego is not who we really are okay so by shifting out of ego through spiritual awakening through spiritual exploration we're able to experience direct union with the divine so what are some practices that we can do to shift out of ego what are some practices that we can do to let our defenses down to drop those walls of separation to find safety to relax our nervous system out of fight or flight what are some practices well i've got five kinds of spiritual practices here now there's all different kinds there's, there's probably like thousands but 
You know, like I mentioned, the Sufi dances, the Zen monks sit still, yet both achieve the same aim of union with the divine or enlightenment. Okay, so there's many different practices. You'll be able to more or less categorize any practice under, you know, one of the five categories that I have here. I'm going to break them down for you and explain how to incorporate them into your spiritual journey, into your spiritual exploration. Now, you don't have to have all five of these practices going during every phase or season of your journey. Some traditions themselves, they'll only focus on one or two, right? So it's not necessary to have every single practice incorporated into your journey. But if you do find that you're feeling like, you know, something is missing or maybe a practice is getting stale or maybe you're finding that things are a little bit out of balance, consider incorporating one of each of these styles of practices into your journey and seeing how things go from there. So first we've got stillness practice, which I've called just simply meditation. You can sit quietly, you just focus on the natural rising and falling of your belly as you breathe. Like we talked about, spirituality is all about the breath. The breath is the doorway to the divine. That's meditation. Nowhere in this description did I mention that you need to have a still mind, a quiet mind, no thoughts, nor did I mention anything about having a peaceful experience. Whatever is arising in your system, maybe a lot of thoughts, maybe all different kinds of emotions that you can't even pinpoint. You sit quietly and you just focus on the rising and the falling of your belly as you breathe. That's it. Your mind will wander. Your focus will wander. As soon as you remember, you return back to the breath. No problem. You keep engaging in this practice and soon the breath will, in an unspoken way, in an, a way that we cannot put words to, you will find the breath becomes a doorway to the divine. That is spirit, right? To breathe, spiritualize the essence of spirituality. Next, incorporate a body practice. So you can walk, you can dance, you can practice Tai Chi or Qigong. You can engage in yoga poses, asanas, you can stretch. You can also explore cold therapy, right? So spiritual awakening is very much about the body, not just the mind. It's not just a psychological thing. Sometimes people talk about spirituality and they think that this is just a mind thing. It's just an intellectual thing. It's just a thing to do with the head. But it has to do with the entire body, head to toe. Your spirituality is about your entire system. Not just a belief, not just something you know, nothing in your head. Not just stuff in your head, but your entire body, okay? So your mind, it can be in the past and the future. You can think about the past and you can regret it or you can wish things were the same as they were. You can think about the future and you can hope to get fulfilled in the future. You can have anxiety about the future and you'll suffer. Your mind can be in the past and future, but your body is always here now, present, right? And this is the same place that the divine is, always in the present moment. The divine isn't in the past or the future. The divine isn't out there. The divine is here and now because that's all there is, here and now. And that's where your body is, right? So, you can use your body as a vehicle to get in touch with the divine in the here and now. And these practices, like I mentioned, they will keep you grounded in the, in the body. So sometimes with spirituality, we can have great insights and realizations and openings that will feel like they're mind-based and they will really feel like we've expanded our awareness, expanded our perception of ourselves, the world. And this can sort of destabilize us. We can feel like we're not in our bodies anymore. 
the body can feel very light. We can feel very lightheaded. We can feel sort of detached, dissociated. Sometimes we call this depersonalization, derealization. In spiritual circles, sometimes this is called Zen sickness, emptiness sickness. So we can start to experience these things. Nothing to fear. There are ways to manage it. And that's what I'm sharing with you here. That is when you must consider engaging in some body practices if you aren't already, right? Not just to avoid having this sort of energetic instability. You should always have some sort of body practice going on at some point, uh, you know, throughout your day or your, every few days or whatever. But if you find yourself feeling ungrounded, this is what you must do. You must engage in some sort of practice with the body work the body, bring your energy, bring your awareness, your attention back into the body. So just walking in nature, very powerful dancing, you know, all of these things that I mentioned, in particular, cold therapy is so powerful. It's really a fascinating thing to go into like cold water, really cold water, something that I've been experimenting with myself lately. On the one hand, it brings us so fully and intensely into our body because it's very, very cold. And we go into fight or flight and our muscles are tensing up and we're feeling this like, you know, frigid cold. It's very hard to escape into a sort of dissociated, a dissociative state when, you know, our body is under this type of stress. And yet in the cold, we can find the still point. We can find a connection with God, find the space within us that is not subject to the coming and going of the body, not subject to the suffering of the body. And it's a very, very interesting balance to be in that place. So I invite you to explore these types of things. Cold therapy, for example, get yourself in a place where you are forced to be in the body, to honor the body, to respect the body, and yet also to recognize that you're a little bit more than the body. Very, very interesting practice, cold therapy. Uh, but if that's not for you, no problem at all. Dancing, walking, stretching, all very, very good. As long as it's done with intention. Intention as a spiritual practice. Not just this thing that you're going through the motions. If you're going to go through the motions, just don't even bother really. Be fully present. Feel every movement. Feel the breaths. Have that intention. Okay. Next type of practice is what I call a devotional practice. So chanting prayer, reverence, gratitude. So the emotional heart is also a doorway to the divine. So, so far I've mentioned stillness, meaning um, referring to the breath as a doorway to the divine. We refer to the body as a vehicle to the divine, as well as the emotional heart. Emotions are also a doorway to the divine. So through chanting the names of God, we focus on who we really are. And in essence, when you really think about it, we are chanting our own name. And so through prayer, we humble ourselves as the ego and we surrender to something greater. Now, gratitude is the highest prayer. It's the highest emotional frequency that we can experience gratitude, appreciation. Okay. And so through reverence of that which is greater than ourselves, we dissolve into it. We dissolve into it in our hearts and the heart becomes that doorway to the divine. Next. You can study, so you can read, you can listen, you can converse, you can inquire. So like I mentioned, within spirituality, the mind is sometimes neglected as the home of the ego. You know, the mind is like, oh, it's get the mind out of here. 
because that's where the ego lives. That's the mind is the ego. It's seen as a villain. But the mind is also a really powerful tool to use and nourish with spiritual knowledge. And that's okay. So you can read books by mystics, read books by people that have attained what you are hoping to attain. Learn from those that have traveled this path already. Now, there's thousands of great, great books. Some are very famous. Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Bhagavad Gita. Some great modern texts as well. You know, they're all out there. There are living mystics, living enlightened people today that have written great books. And you can learn from them. And you can, you can understand what this is all about, right? As well, you can also talk to other people. Converse with them. Get some feedback. Share whatever knowledge you have. Talking with people is something that you should be mindful not to overdo, right? We don't want to talk so much. We also want to keep a little bit of, bit of this personal and private and sacred. But talking about this is important as well to get some ideas, get some new ideas, to clarify ideas that we already have. Speaking about things is very useful. And that's actually why I'm doing this, for example. Like I said, this is a great reminder for myself to return back to basics. Everything that I share on, on my channel, on my podcast, whatever it is, it's all in an effort to process things and clarify things for myself as well. So that's why I invite you to converse with others as well. And finally, in terms of the mind, you can also do a very, very powerful practice called self-inquiry. Okay, So we can, can inquire into our own nature by just asking the question silently in meditation, who am I? Just asking that over and over and over again. Who am I? And that is a great doorway into the divine because, of course, you are the divine. You are a mystic. And if you ask that question enough, the question dissolves into the answer. And then all that's left is your true nature as God, as the divine, as a mystic. And finally, I invite you to love yourself. What does this really mean? It means allowing yourself to think, feel, or experience anything and everything unconditionally so to experience union with god treat yourself as god already does with unconditional loving awareness so if you can imagine god however you would conceive god to be if god was looking at you looking at the experiences that you're having in your body god's not going to resist god's not going to say oh we need to change that that's a mistake something is wrong god's going to say oh that's perfect they're angry they're upset they're jealous they're anxious they're having thoughts. No problem. This is okay. Same way you must be with yourself. If you want to realize the God within you, look at yourself as if, you're, as if you were God. Let yourself have the experience unconditionally. So nothing you can think, feel, or experience is invalid. Okay, All is welcome within divinity, including your most uncomfortable experiences, emotions, and thoughts. Through unconditional self-love, you will heal and soothe the parts of you that feel fearful, that feel defensive. Okay, Fear and defensiveness are the foundation of the ego's feeling of separation. Like I said, it's those walls that the ego puts up to defend itself from perceived threats. You dissolve these walls through self-love. So this is the essence of spirituality in a nutshell. Of course, like I said, I may have left some things out, but in broad strokes, broad strokes, that's the path. So next, I've expanded on a few terms that you'll likely come across on your journey. They may be a little confusing or puzzling. And so I just want to quickly go over them for you just to give you a little bit of a overview for when you come across them. 
So Kundalini awakening. As we go through our journey, our entire system from head to toe goes through a transformation on every level, psychological, emotional, physical, spiritual. The body, it has a dormant force known as Kundalini Shakti in Sanskrit, in the yogic system. This is what they call it, Kundalini Shakti. Now this force, this energy can be known, uh, can be understood to be divine energy. And once this energy awakens, it begins to facilitate the next phase of our evolutionary journey. Kundalini is the most central theme at the heart of yoga, but it's also found in other traditions around the world by many different names. If you're more curious about this, I have an entire series available all about Kundalini Awakening. You can check it out on my YouTube channel, my podcast, my website, brentspirit.com. But in short, Kundalini is the force that is going to facilitate and support the entire transformation of your system from head to toe as you go through your spiritual awakening journey. Next, let's talk a little bit about the law of attraction and manifestation. So science has shown that everything in existence is in a state of vibration. Your system as well is constantly vibrating. Your thoughts, depending on their quality, can be of a high vibratory frequency or a low vibratory frequency. They correspond with your emotional uh, state as well. Okay, So also your emotions, your thoughts, different vibrational frequencies. Very high vibrational frequencies, they feel good. They're positive thoughts. Lower vibration, negative, don't feel so good. The law of attraction refers to the phenomenon of like attracting like, of things attracting things that are similar in vibration to themselves, okay? Simply put, if you think and feel positive, positive things are going to be attracted to you. Positive people, positive situations, it's all going to come to you, okay? In this way, you can create your own reality in cooperation with the universe, which responds to your vibration, so you think a specific thought and you can attract a specific situation to you. Now, the more you awaken spiritually, the more that you recognize your union with everything, the more that you recognize that you're not separate from the world, the higher your vibration will rise and the higher your degree of well-being. And in turn, you can develop your skills as a co-creator with, of course, the rest of the world, which is, like we've been talking about, not separate from you. It's greater than you, but not separate from you. So you can work with it as a co-creator using your your thoughts, your emotions to attract the realities that you prefer. Now you can approach this with an open-minded, skeptical attitude, and you can see for yourself. If it's not real, at least you know, you know, you've given it a try, you found it wasn't real, and you can let it go. But if it is real, if it's real that you can think and create your own reality, well, the implications are very significant, so it's nothing to, you know, be, cl be closed off to, at least explore it a little bit. There's tons and tons of, of great, great material out there. I live this way myself. Um, there's teachings from the modern day, teachings from ancient times that talk all about this, um, you know, in the simplest way, placebo effect. You think that you're healing because somebody gave you a sugar pill and you don't know it's a sugar pill. You think it's the greatest medication ever. You might heal yourself. That's vibration. That's law of attraction in effect. You can look at some great athletes before they you know, win championships. They enter into a meditation type state and they visualize themselves making the greatest plays, winning, holding the trophy, etc. They are sending that vibrational reality out through their thoughts, through their emotions, through their feelings, and the universe is responding with it. They're co-creators of their reality. This is nothing too far-fetched. 
I invite you to, to with open-minded skepticism, explore it and see for yourself. Your whole life will change. Let's talk about psychedelics and plant medicine. So straight up, these are drugs and they should be treated with respect. Okay. We can call them plant medicine, hallucinogens, you know, mother ayahuasca. We can call it all these fancy terms, but when it really comes down to it, these are drugs. Okay. They're drugs. Let's not, you know, be dishonest with ourselves. They need to be treated with respect. Certain substances, yes, they do have the potential to put you in a state of being in which you can experience significant spiritual insights, transformations. Many get a taste of these great spiritual experiences through the use of these psychedelic drugs, hallucinogens, and they become addicted to chasing those spiritual experiences. They may not necessarily become chemically addictive, addicted to the actual substance themselves, which, which aren't, for the most part, addictive at all, but the experiences that they can bring about can be very addictive, okay? So that's one thing to keep in mind. These substances will show you what has always been the case. It's not going to show you something new. It's showing you what's already always been the case for you. You just weren't aware of it or you had just forgotten or you just weren't able to see it. So it's not superimposing something new on your worldview. It's just revealing what's already been the case, okay? So whatever you see or experience on these drugs must then be integrated into your everyday sober life over time with courage and effort, okay? So keep that in mind. If you take some psychedelic, some sort of plant medicine, whatever it is, you have an experience where you recognize, oh, I am connected to all that is, or oh, there's no need for me to be so fearful and defensive. Okay, when the trip is over, now you have to work on that. And that work takes months, takes years, takes time, takes time to really integrate what you've seen. And so between those, you know, periods of, of trying to integrate that, it doesn't mean you need to go revisit it and try to get more insights when you haven't even, you know, integrated the ones you already had, right? So keep that in mind as well. We don't want to overuse these, these uh, psychedelics and plant medicine and these drugs. Um, just like with medicine, you only take it when you need it. I'm willing to bet that you don't read the same book start to finish, you know, every other weekend. You read a book, you learn something, you try to live out what you learned, integrate the teachings into your life. Same with these, okay? Be mindful. Only explore these substances when you are properly educated about what they're really all about. And when you feel confident within yourself, when you feel like, you know, this is the right thing to do. If you feel like super anxious or somebody's pressuring you or something like that, no need. Just just postpone it or, you know, put it aside. Not necessary to get into something that you don't feel confident about. As well, be mindful of the source of where you get these things from. You know, where is it coming from? Is it safe? Is it healthy? Not, not healthy. Is it safe? Is it what you think it is, you know, etc. And be mindful, of course, the law. Next, let's talk a little bit about teachers, gurus, and cults. So like I said, you must continuously use your discernment to move efficiently and to keep you safe on this journey, okay? Some guys out there, they mean well, but they are not speaking from direct experience, and so they can be misleading. Not intentionally, but they can be misleading because they themselves don't necessarily have the direct experience of what they are trying to share, or they are still in a you know state of fear and separateness, and so they're either offensive or defensive, and you fall victim to that. 
and they don't mean that they mean well but because they are still in a work in progress with you know major major chunks of healing to do you know, you don't want them to, to be misleading. So that's why it's very important that we understand this, that we use our discernment. Other people, they may have had genuine mystical experiences. They may be a mystic, right? For all intents and purposes, they may be a mystic. They may be, uh, you know, living in a state of ongoing meditation. They may, you know, have direct connection with the transcendent, with divinity, right? But that does not mean that they are absolutely perfect, pure, and without any ill intentions, without any ego left, Okay, there's still a human being there. Okay, and so it's very important that we are mindful of this and that we don't just think, oh, this person is a mystic, this person's enlightened, this person is self-realized. They cannot harm me, harm me at all. I give them all my power. I give them permission to cross all my boundaries. No, no, no. There's still a human being there and that human being by default, as we all are, all human beings are imperfect. And so it's important that we don't give our power away and allow people to, you know, take advantage of us very very important travelers of the spiritual path they can be very vulnerable of course why is this well most of us come to spirituality like i did during a period of great suffering we're seeking relief we're seeking answers we're seeing peace so we're vulnerable we're willing to do anything we're willing we're so desperate right and so what happens then when conversely you combine people with narcissistic tendencies which are you know, can sometimes find themselves in positions of power, such as playing the role of spiritual teacher, playing the role of guru, right? What happens when you combine these two types of people? A narcissistic person that somehow found their way in a position of authority giving out spiritual teachings and somebody who is vulnerable and desperate, who's not able to use discernment and recognize that they're dealing with somebody who's got, you know, ill intentions, somebody who's power hungry. Well, what happens is, that narcissistic person, person with narcissistic tendencies, can become abusive of either an individual or even a large group, right? And, you know, that's what we would call a cult. So this doesn't mean now that, you know, we completely close ourselves off to seeking guidance from others. No, it's just that we're mindful. You know, we ask questions like, where is our power? Where is my power right now? Is it here in my heart, within my own body? Or am I giving it away to another person, trusting that they're not going to take advantage of it or abuse me? You know, Or is another person trying to take it from me with pressure, with fear, saying, oh, if you don't do this or that, bad things are going to happen to you. Or, you know, not necessarily bad physical things, but oh, you'll get bad karma. Oh, you've got to, you know, donate all your money to this, this organization or you'll get bad karma or, you know, come and sleep with me or you'll get bad karma or if you do this for me i will show you how to become enlightened or this and that really be mindful of whether somebody is taking advantage of you your energy your time your resources use your discernment avoid getting caught up in these sort of situations where you know people are being abused by recognizing that like i said there is a human being Every teacher, nobody's perfect. Nobody can actually give you enlightenment, give you the mystical realization of who you really are, give you spiritual awakening. doesn't matter what you give them, they can't give it to you. Remember that. And then you know, okay, I don't have to give all my power away, right? Like I said, you can spend time with teachers, with books. You can, I mean, you're listening to me here. This is, this is okay. 
But when it comes to like leaving your whole life behind and cutting off your family and, you know, signing over your whole bank account to like some, some organization or some person, you got to ask yourself, you know, where is my power? Why am I giving it away? Remembering spirituality is about your experience, your direct experience. The whole world can, you know, disappear, but you will still have your direct experience. It does not rely on any system, structure, religion, organization, guru, teacher. If all of that fell away, you would still have your experience. That's what it's really about. Okay. So find and keep your power within yourself. Trust yourself to lead you to the right teachers and guides. There are some incredible teachers and guides out there. Fantastic. I, I have so much reverence and respect for some of these really, really incredible teachers out there. You know, I could can name so many that have really benefited me greatly and I've spent time with them, but I have also known when it was time to move on from them as well. I did not, you know, plant my feet in the ground and, you know, park myself at the feet of, of some teacher. I visited some teachers. I chatted with them. I got what I needed. I said, thank you so much. And I went on my way. Okay. And that's what I invite you to do. Go on your own way, on your own journey. Stop by here and there, have some conversations, explore this and that. But ultimately, it returns back to you and your experience. And with discernment is how you will remain safe. Lastly, let's talk about spiritual bypassing. So spiritual bypassing is using spiritual ideas against ourselves and others. It can be a very obvious thing or it can be something that's very subtle. So here are some examples. Somebody might say, we're all God, therefore whatever we do is God's will. So I can punch you in the face without a problem because I'm God and you can take the pain because you're God. And of course, we're not these bodies. We are the spirit. And so it's okay for us to abuse each other physically. This is false. Okay. This is what I mean by using our spirituality against ourselves and others. We don't say everything is God's will. Therefore, whatever I do is okay. No, we still have to move through the world with a sort of moral compass, with the intention to do good, to be kind, to be caring, right? We don't want to say, oh, I realize that everything is God's will. So let's just go rob a bank. Let's just go, you know, do this or that. No. And we also don't want to let somebody else use that against us to say, oh, oh, sorry, I, you know, crashed your car. That's, it's God's will. And no, that's abuse. And we don't take any of that. It doesn't matter who the person is, partner, spouse, parent, friend, doesn't matter. Spirituality should never be used against anybody. And it's important that we're mindful of, you know, when spiritual bypassing comes in. Another example, somebody may come to you and say, you know, I'm so heartbroken. Something really horrible just happened to me. I'm really sad. You don't tell them, oh, you should realize that you're one with God and there's nothing to feel sad about. That's also spiritual bypassing, right? We don't want to use our spirituality against a person that's, that's suffering. A human being is there that's suffering. We want to have compassion. We want to meet them as a human being and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry that you've had this experience. Come here. Do you want to hug? Do you want to talk about it? Is there something I can do? 
Let me know what's going on. I'm here for you. We don't want to jump to spiritual insights and start sharing that with people who are really not in a position to, to be open to those things. So we don't want to spiritually bypass other people's human issues by just, you know, to, oh, go meditate, meditate it away, be in the present moment. Oh, your relationship ended. That was yesterday. Be in the present moment. Present moment is all there is. No, we don't want to use that against anybody. And of course, not against ourselves either. So if you're the one who's suffering, who's having a heartbreak, who's sick, who's hurt, we don't want to gaslight ourselves and say, I should just be in the present moment and not feel this way. I'm not being a good spiritual little boy or little girl. No. Whatever you're feeling, it's welcome here. That's why we return back to self-love. And we say, oh, I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm allowed to feel anxious. I'm allowed to feel anything that's not peaceful. Spirituality is not about feeling peaceful all the time. Okay. It's about the breath. And the breath is going to be there whether you're angry, anxious, jealous, sad, confused, depressed. The breath is always there. And that's spirituality. It's not about being at peace. Okay. Keep that in mind. Peace will come. But if you're not at peace, that doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Okay. And it doesn't mean other people are doing something wrong if they're not at peace. So we don't spiritually bypass our emotional experience. We don't spiritually bypass other people's emotional experience. We hold space for ourselves. We hold space for other people with an open heart, with compassion, with the willingness to meet other people as human beings. Okay. Another example of spiritual bypassing, somebody might say, the law of attraction says that I can manifest any reality that I want just by thinking about it. So I'll sit on my couch and I'll think myself into a healthy body. I'll think myself into living the most meaningful life. I'll think myself into attracting the perfect partner. Once again, this is false. Law of attraction isn't about just sitting on your couch and thinking things into existence. Law of attraction is about sitting on your couch, thinking about these things, and then paying attention to the impulse which will come to move, to act. So you may sit on your couch and say, okay, I'm going to manifest my most perfect body. And you'll have a thought about the perfect body. You'll have a vision. You'll feel good. You'll feel awesome. Then you'll have another thought. You know what? I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling energetic. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to eat something really healthy. And we're going to act on that impulse and move through the world. So the perfect body isn't going to just come just by sitting on the couch and thinking our way into a perfect body. Same with the partner. You want to think about having a perfect partner. You're going to think about it. Sit on your couch. You can have a thought. You have a little meditation. Get into the flow. Visualize it. And then you'll get an impulse to maybe go out with some friends or maybe go to the bookstore and you'll bump into somebody or somebody, whatever. But you have to act following acting on the law of attraction through visualizations, through trying to manifest. There is action involved. We don't um, bypass all of that. Uh, you know, thinking that if I sit on my couch, I'll get the perfect body. If I sit on my couch, some, you know, the, my partner, future dream partner is going to knock on my door and we're going to fall madly in love. It's going to be perfect. No, we have to act. We're here as human beings to act and engage in the world. So we don't use our spirituality to disengage from the world. Okay. Finally, this one I mentioned a little bit already, but somebody might say, you know, I shouldn't feel angry because that's not spiritual and it's of a low vibratory frequency. So I will deny myself permission to feel this way. And instead I'll avoid I'll take drugs or I'll somehow resist or escape instead of sitting and loving myself no matter what I'm feeling inside. This is not a good approach either. This is spiritually bypassing. Like I said, we give ourselves full permission to think, feel, or experience anything that may arise within our system. This is self-love. Excuse me. This is self-love. Like I love myself even right now. I just burped. I'm recording this, this talk here. 
I've dressed up in my nice shirt to look all professional in there. I just burped. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm human. Doesn't mean I made a mistake or I'm not spiritual. It's okay. Right? Spiritually bypassing would say, oh my gosh, Brent. Oh, you burped. That means you weren't breathing deep enough. Oh, now people are going to, you know, listen to this and they're, they're going to realize that you're a human being and aren't you trying to, you know, show that you're a little bit more than a human being? Aren't you trying to show that you're a divine being? And now you burped and you reveal that you're human. Oh no. Like that's what spiritually bypassing would do, right? It's a very small sort of silly example, but this is actually what people do, right? They walk around in the world and they think, oh no, I got upset. Oh, I'm not spiritual. Or I was meditating and I told my friend that I'm doing this 30-day meditation challenge. And on day 20, I texted my friend some sort of rant. Oh no, they're going to think that I'm, you know, not a real meditator. I'm not a real traveler of the spiritual path because I, was, I, I ranted about something. No, this is all normal human stuff. It's all part of the journey. We don't want to bypass our humanity with spiritual insights. Be mindful of this. Don't let other people do it to you. Don't do it to other people. And most importantly, don't do it to yourself. Okay. Spirituality is meant to empower, be aware of what spiritual bypassing is and move beyond it with honesty and courage. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to actually sit with ourselves when we are feeling uncomfortable, when we are not wanting to face the reality. It's very easy to spiritually bypass and sort of, you know, circumnavigate some challenging things, but we have to have courage. We have to have honesty. And so that's my invitation for you. So in summary, spirituality is about your experience. Two keywords, your experience, not your belief, your experience, not, a, not even about another person's experience. It's not even about my experience. It's about your direct personal experience. You are already a mystic in disguise. The spiritual journey is about taking off the disguise. We take off the disguise through practices such as meditation, devotion, and self-love. The entire system, head to toe, will undergo a transformation that will be facilitated by the innate divine energy within, sometimes known as kundalini. So spirituality is not just about stuff happening in your head. It is about your entire body. Okay. Avoid spiritual bypassing. Be honest with yourself. Be courageous. Find your power and keep it within. Don't seek it outside of yourself or give it away. So that's Spirituality 101, a crash course in unmasking the mystic within. Let me know what you feel about all this. I really appreciate that you sat with me through this. I know it's a bit of a long one. I think this is my longest episode yet. Leave me a comment or send me a line with any questions about whatever you're dealing with on your journey. I'd be happy to offer you a response or to expand on any of the points that I've shared with you here today. You can check out my other work for more in-depth sharings on all these topics as well. To find out about meeting with me one-on-one -on -one to discuss your spiritual, spiritual awakening journey, you can visit brentspirit.com as well. Check out the podcast on Apple, on Spotify. You can also check out the YouTube channel if you're listening to the audio alone. I look forward to connecting with you. And until next time, 
Thank you so much once again. Much love and peace. Peace.